All right, here are uh, here we are in the middle of the market hour. John Jenkinson and Arlen Sudeman here, uh, who has now gotten into the oil business. He, uh, <laughs> wow. if I was in the oil business, I think I'd be taking advantage of the rally and trying to lock in, uh, hedge some uh, opportunities. Oh, wouldn't you though? Um, what did I see? What percentage did it jump? I mean, a big jump on the overnight trade. Well, the Brent crude oil market uh, rose the most, and it was up at one point to 8.77%, so wow. nearly 9%. Right now, it's uh, uh, a point off of that, up seven and three-quarter percentage points, while uh, WTI, West Texas Intermediate, uh, we price our oil off of here in the United States, is up about seven and a quarter percent. Which, and, and I want to I kind of illustrate why that's a big deal. Number one, I think that's what's... And you correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's what give us a bounce to the overnight grains, not necessarily today, uh, because now we've got a big um, United States dollar headwind. But you, you, you talk about any market, corn market, wheat market, so any market that jumps seven to nine percent, almost nine percent on an overnight session trade. That is a huge deal. Well, to, and I think that warrants some uh, discussion because if we were to see soybeans drop by a similar amount, uh, that would be a, a 90 cent move in one day's time. And uh, obviously, that would be considered big. If it was in the corn market, that would be essentially a 30 cent move. Uh, so that is a big move. And uh, when such a move happens, it, it's noteworthy and something that uh, we should certainly pay attention to. Now, behind the move, we have to go back a little bit of a history. First of all, we saw OPEC a couple of years ago decide to open up the spigot and to let the oil flow and to let that drive prices down. And in doing so, they were trying to recapture. I think there were several reasons for that. But one of the benefits they were hoping to get from that was to recapture market share after North American shale oil producers had uh, grabbed a great deal of market share um, with fracking, etc. And uh, so they drove prices down to the mid-20s dollar barrel range. Uh, and that shut down much of, uh, of the new shale oil production. And uh, new exploration, certainly. Uh, shale oil producers had a break-even of 50 to $55 per barrel, it was generally thought. And uh, so with prices at half that level, uh, we, we really saw an ex extreme amount of pain in the shale oil uh, production areas. Now, crude oil prices at that level, though, do not support the economies of these uh, OPEC nations that have budgets built primarily around crude oil revenue. So they've been trying to figure out a way to push prices back higher. So back in September, they offered to freeze production. Keep in mind that world supplies of crude oil were basically at record levels. Uh, earlier this year, we were worried about where we were going to store all the surplus crude oil. We we're going to uh, have floating storage ships just filled up with crude oil. And some of that actually happened, uh, just storing it out in the ocean, so to speak, running out of places to put it. That's how much crude oil we had available in the world on the market. And so uh, back at September 28th, OPEC got together and said, 
uh, we're going to freeze production. We're not going to increase production anymore. We're going to freeze it. We're going to work out the details by our November 30th meeting. And so they've been working since then to do that. Well, the market reacted to that and pushed prices higher, and OPEC enjoyed that. Uh, but then that started to lose its impact on the market as the dollar started working higher, and crude oil tends to go down when the dollar goes higher. And so they came out and said, no, we're not just going to freeze it. We're going working on an agreement that would reduce production by 1.2 million barrels per day. And, and total production right now for all countries is somewhere in the mid-90 million barrel per day range. And, and um, so, like, well, actually, I think it was around, I'd have to look up the number, but it's around 97, 98 million barrels per day or something like that. I think 97 million barrels per day in that neighborhood. So, it'll give you a little bit of scope of perspective. And, uh, and OPEC is responsible for a little over a third of that. Uh, they've really been losing market share globally of late. And so overall, they said we're going to reduce it by 1.2 million barrels per day, which should be about 4 4.5% reduction. And that gave the market another prop. Well, then uh, there have been a lot of cracks in the foundation of the, de- the negotiations, various OPEC members trying to justify why they should get a waiver, they should be excluded. And on Tuesday, we saw the market just plummet because the general thinking was we may get an agreement, but it's not going to mean anything. So then they come out as they start the meetings today and say, no, we're looking at a 1.4 million barrel per day uh, reduction, and we're asking non-OPEC members to add another 600,000 barrels per day, including Russia, at about 400,000 barrels per day. So that totals up to about 2 million barrels per day. That would be a meaningful cut. And so the market spiked on the possibility that we would actually get such a cut. Uh, and start to allow demand then to exceed supply and start to draw down supplies. Meanwhile, after two years of pain, the the U.S. uh, industry is very innovative. And historically, over the last 200 years, when when industry here in the United States experiences pain, it finds a better way to do things. And so it has done so, and it has improved the technology. It's gotten leaner and meaner, uh, and now production in some of these shale oil fields, the cost of production is down to 15 to $20 per barrel. In some cases, we're, we can produce crude oil now as cheap as what Iraq and Iran can. So in essence, what they are doing is handing market share back to the North American shale oil industry by reducing their production and allowing prices to go higher, um, increasing profits here. So keep in mind also the OPEC members are known for cheating. They come to agreements and then they all cheat on each other because (laughs) they don't want to give up any market share to their rivals. And so... Uh, will we get an agreement? I think they've probably painted themselves in the corner. They have to come up with an agreement. Does anybody believe they're actually going to live by it? It'll be probably somewhat less than what they agree to. And shale oil production, meanwhile, continues to increase. Rig counts keep going up. Uh, it, now, it'll take some time for shale oil to get going, but we got plenty of crude oil in the world. So 
crude oil prices shot up overnight. Grain prices were under pressure. As soon as crude oil started rallying, that lifted the money toward going into the broader commodity indices and in the broader commodity sector. That lifted grain prices, but now those grain prices are starting to uh, get sold, the rally there. And uh, so some of that benefit is wearing off now as we wait for that uh, announcement. You kind of you kind of dovetailed into my my uh, two part question. Number one was that was the reason the grains bounced on the overnight trade, right? Yeah, absolutely. As you look at it, you can see when crude oil price started rallying, that's when the grains started rallying. Okay, um, but the other the second half of that question then is when when trader because you said OPEC isn't always believable. So uh, when all of this euphoria wears off of the trade. Crude oil prices crumble back down a ways, maybe even back down to the same level, drag grains with it, right? Uh, that's the that's the danger. That's the risk. Unless grains can produce a story of their own to justify money flowing in that direction. There's a lot of money out there looking for an asset that has a story. If the grains were to develop a story in the way of a legitimate weather concern, we could have some exciting action to the upside there. There's just no story developed yet at this point. Soybeans have the greatest potential for that at this point, but it's simply not there, and that's why the strength that's been there, the risk premium that had been built into prices, has started to wane over the last couple of days as we get deeper into the the growing season there. The month of December in Brazil, Argentina is equivalent basically to our month of June in our growing season. It's going to have to be a big story, though, especially when the dollar is up 500 points plus like it is today. Uh, less of a story for soybeans, more of a story for corn and, and, and especially for wheat. And that's largely because we lack substitute products for soybeans protein-wise. Uh, wheat is right there ready to grab bunk space if corn prices get out of hand. Okay, um, cattle market uh, doing relatively well today. We've got the electronic video trade, whatever they call it. I- I'm not sure of the name, but uh, it happens on Wednesday. It doesn't look like a big run. Box beef trade uh, yesterday afternoon, we moved a few more loads. Prices are still going up, um, but I-, I can't imagine that the freezer cases are that empty. I, I would imagine that here pretty quick we're going to run into the um, – well, uh, the, the the full freezer where we can't pack any more in, and then we're headed for, um, you know, 105, 106 cash, right? Well, you brought up a couple of good points. First of all, we need to remember that those major commodity indices are being bought because of crude oil. Live cattle and lean hog futures are part of those indices, so that provides some upside right there in the absence of any real selling. Oh, then we go to the fundamentals of the market. Generally, the expectations are the packer will not be as aggressive this week in buying. Last week's selling averaged around 111 to 112 in most states in the Plains feedlot district, so it's probably going to be weaker than that this week. The packers can uh, can draw from formula cattle later this week. Um, and into next week. Uh, they also bought a lot of cattle over the last couple of weeks that were contracted for delivery in two to four weeks. Uh, so they got a lot of cattle to draw from, don't have to be as aggressive in the negotiated market. The online trade that you mentioned, the show list there is about 4,700. 
That's versus twelve to thirteen thousand in recent weeks. So mm-hmm. a dramatically smaller show list. You say, okay, that's bullish. No, unfortunately, uh, the reason behind it is not good. It's because the Packers have been uh, paying less on this online auction last week, two to three dollars less than negotiated trade that took place hours later. Feeders are starting to figure out that they're losing money. And that's sad to say, but the losing money on this online auction, and so they're not offering as many cattle on it. And uh, so we're seeing some support consolidation around that 110 to 111 level in the market this morning, uh, right around 110 for the December contract. Um, but a little bit weaker than last week. Uh, overall, we're seeing some increased demand for product, going seasonal increase, but uh, that's, that's short term right now as well. Made some big news yesterday in the financial market, uh, touching some new records. And money is generally flowing for out of the commodities and into the stocks. And that's what uh, we can kind of expect as the dollar rallies, as well as expectations of tax and regulatory reform, increase expectations for corporate profits. Um, so that's why the money is going out of the commodities into the, the stocks, and I worry about the potential long-term implications. If you look at the major commodity industries, they've re- indices, they've really been tr- chopping sideways since mid-July or so. The dollar started to really rally uh, over the last month, and especially after the elections, that it's really surged higher. Commodities historically do not do well in a strong dollar environment, but crude oil has kept them propped up. And crude oil has been propped up because of the uncertainty of a possible agreement with OPEC. That uncertainty looks to soon be removed and we'll know what the agreement is and then can speculate about OPEC actually living up to it even as shale oil production increases. So if the trade will then be in a position, okay, we've removed that uncertainty now. We know what the supply and demand fundamentals are. Meanwhile, it refocuses attention on the fact that Commodities have not yet priced in the stronger dollar, and I'm afraid that leaves us vulnerable. We've talked in this program about that risk before, and you've asked me questions about does that mean new contract lows for corn? I think you asked me yesterday, and I said I didn't think so for corn, um, but I can't rule that out. And lo and behold, yesterday, uh, wheat went and made new contract lows in uh, Chicago and basically reached just above contract lows in Kansas City. So that reality does exist as a possibility. Wow. Okay. Well, we got our got our hands full here today. We'll have to continue to watch where we take this. But uh, in the meantime, I want to remind everybody uh, two things. Number one, you can always visit the website to uh, find out more about signing up to be a part of the webinar, and you can also uh, find out more information about the event that's coming up in Garden City at www.intlfcstone.com. All right, Mr. Suderman, have a great day today. Good job. Thank you.